Welcome to Hold Up, the podcast where we watch our favorite rom-coms and decide whether they hold up. I'm Carrie Gilbert. I'm Allison Gilbert. And this week we watched The Best Man Holiday, which came out in 2013 and is a sequel to The Best Man, which came out in 1999 and which we discussed, I don't know, maybe a handful of months ago. I think it was summertime. It was, it was definitely quarantine times. Yeah. Yeah. It was right after uh, I moved to Midwest because we were in Cincinnati. Correct. And I think we watched it together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I have seen The Best Man Holiday before. Allison, you have not seen it before, correct? No, I was very tempted to after we watched The Best Man because we enjoyed The Best Man and you said you liked this even better. But I decided to hold off and wait for the holiday season mm-hmm. since we knew we'd be doing it here. And I'm glad I waited because no way if I knew uh, how mad I would get at you, I would have watched it again. I'm very mad at Carrie because this is not the joyful holiday romp I was promised. Now, this is a compliment to the movie because it so successfully depicts friendship and grief that I wanted to die halfway through. <laughs> yeah, we it's should like say so this, well is gonna be, this is going to be a spoiler full episode. There's no way for us to discuss this in our typical way without completely spoiling it. So just FYI. So Carrie had told me sort of. The characters, if you remember from the first one, are a group of, hol- of, group of holiday friends, a group of college friends. Um, and then, like, two of them, Regina Hall and uh, Sanaa Lathan, are not college friends, but they've married into the group. Right. And the main woman from the first one, I guess they're all sort of equal weight. But ensemble. the But Mia, Morris Chestnuts, the woman he marries in the first one, we find right, out the bride. Dying. The bride of the the first movie is a wedding film. The bride of that film dying. Carrie had told me that. I was like, I can handle it. I've seen sad things before. No, this movie is too well written. I could not handle it. I will say I know the exact moment you broke down. Can you guess the exact moment I broke down? You broke down when she collapsed in front of the Christmas tree and said, (laughs) well, uh, Sonal Ethan was holding her. Not Sonal Ethan. Well, Neil Long was holding her. What about my babies? That's when you lost it. She's losing it now. <laughs> when did I lose it? <laughs> it was when Neil Long was crying in the bathtub. Okay, give me a minute. <laughs> Do you need an yeah. Ativan? I'm going to Google that this yeah. actress is I alive mean, and well. I... Cause... Okay, I had forgotten. I knew, okay, so the premise is, at the end of The Best Man, the two kind of lead males, Morris Chestnut and Tay Diggs, the groom and the best man, who are best friends, they have had a falling out. And their friendship has never really recovered from some of the the revelations that occurred that wedding weekend. And Mia is now, the bride is dying, and she has gathered them all there together a, to tell them, and B, so that Lance... To watch her die! <laughs> well, I... Right. So Lance, who is played by Morris Chestnut, and Harper, who's played by Tay Diggs, so that they can reconcile, because she has said to both of them, you're going to need each other when what happens, hap- what's going to happen, happens. 
Lance so, is having a very hard time accepting it. He thinks God's going to give them a miracle. Right. Right. And that was part of one of the issue, you know, one of the hangups in their friendship. And the first one was that Harper is agnostic and maybe atheist. And Lance is very, very committed to his faith, as is Mia. They're, that is part of what works in their marriage is they are both astoundingly faithful. Lance is having a hard time accepting it. Mia wants Harper to be there for him. Um, So she's gathered them all there together. And it comes out that she is sick and dying. And I had remembered all of that. I had not remembered how well written all of that was. I have never watched this since having children. <laughs> this was the first time I watched it <laughs> since having children. So the, you're absolutely right that the scene where she says, what about my babies? I lost my fucking shit. I, and then from that moment on, I ugly cried my way through the rest of this movie. Like to the point where I snotted onto a shirt and had to change my shirt. (laughs) One of the things I like about this movie better than the first is that the female relationships are more defined. And we sort of talked about this in the first one. We're like, I think that Mia and Nia Long's character, Jordan, uh, and Shelby are all best friends because they're her bridesmaids, but they never really get into it. And in this movie, you get into it. And Jordan and Mia are best friends. And Jordan is a cold workaholic who has a hard time accessing her emotions. And so she, like, holds her friend in the what about my babies. And then the next scene is her alone in a bathtub sobbing. And that's when I lost it. <laughs> because you identify yes. with the mother and I identify with the cold one who has no feelings except alone in a bathtub. <laughs> Yeah, I think that all of the women are much more flushed out in this. I think the first movie is much more focused on Lance and Harper's relationship. And there is a lot of development of their relationship and the ways that the women played roles in the ebbs and flows of their friendship. But this movie spends a lot of time developing the women in really lovely ways and the in the interpersonal relationships between the women. So we get a lot more Mia. We get a lot more Jordan. We get their friendship. We we get a lot more Shelby. Shelby, Shelby in the is first humanized. Movie is, yeah, she was pretty much a caricature in the first movie. And I think even we said like when we watched it the first time, we were like, why is she still around after Harold Pernu merch breaks up with her? But it's because she and Mia have a friendship and a relationship yeah. that that's is not really independent in of that. It, that right. feels like it got left on a cutting room floor in the first one, where in this one, yes, that's and, much this, and they're like they're line sisters. Like that's, I mean, I lived with a woman in college who was a Delta, and your line sisters are like your blood. I mean, like that is, you know, a deep, deep connection. The other thing I liked about it is, like, Shelby, there's a lot in her character that's not, like, she does some pretty shitty things in this movie, particularly to Regina Hall's character. And so there's a part of you that's like, why are these people friends with this, like, horrible woman? 
But then they humanize her. And there's also a really nice thing of like, oh, your friends from college and your closest friends, even if they do. And granted, none of my friends have ever um, publicly shamed anyone for having been a sex worker. But there are things you love about them. And it's hard to and you sort of forgive their flaws because you're so close. And there's a, like a very small moment in this when Mia's like laying in bed with her children about to die and Shelby just like looks at her very sad and they like mouth I love you to each other. And you're like, oh, I get this. Like, I don't question mm-hmm. why Mia, who's this sort of like almost archetypal perfect person and Shelby, who's like almost an archetypical horrible person are best friends. You like, I right. believed it in this movie. There's They also do something really nice with. Regina Hall and Sanaa Latham's character who are like the women who have married in and they're close friends and they are at odds often with the other three women in Regina Hall's case rightfully so in Sanaa Latham's it's a little bit like why are we still fighting over this man that's the aspect of the storyline I was like oh, we don't need this does he have right. feelings for Nia Long's character I'm not buying it no one's buying it stop trying to add problems to this marriage there's enough shit going on yeah. with the dying They've woman. I problems. don't need, like, I don't need, like, jealous and all them. I was going to say, the other thing I like about this movie is the friendship between Nia Long's character and uh, Tay Diggs' character, who in the first movie, like, they had, like, an attraction to each other back in college and in the first movie they like almost got there and then he was like no I'm in love with my girlfriend Sanaa Latham and I was totally fine within this movie all of that having been in the past and then they like try and bring it up a little more and it's like I don't need this I can believe that that's something they left behind in their early 20s this would not have carried into their 30s yeah and we we also get like there's a really nice scene between Mia, after it's come out that she's dying, there's a really nice scene between Mia and Terrence Howard's character, Q. So, like, we get, we just spend a lot of time, like, sort of seeing, like, the relationships within this group of friends. And it's clear that, like, and, like, that didn't get played out at all in the first one. But, you know, now we're seeing that the two of them have always kind of had a kinship and a closeness and have balanced each other out well in nice ways so we're getting a lot of these this movie does a really wonderful job of showing a group of friends that has been friends for you know over 20 years and the baggage that they have but also the way that they can rally and circle the wagons when they need to yeah it's like very clear that Malcolm D. Lee who wrote and directed this and I wrote and direct, at least wrote the first one um i think directed too uh it's very clear that he understands like friendship and how to write friendship and and we talked about this in the first one like there's just like conversations the men have between each other that just seem very natural there's conversations the women have with each other and there's com- and in this movie much more than the first one they like you see the relationships between the men and the women, the friendships between the men and the women that are mm-hmm. not romantic, that feel very real. And I just, there's it, like, it's just a part of the reason I thought I could handle the death aspect of this movie and I could not was because of how well written this is. Because of how, we yeah. talk about this with Nora Ephron a lot, a lot. She knows how to write friendships. Malcolm D. Lee knows how to write friendships. He did it so well, it was impossible to watch the back half of this movie. 
without like absolutely losing it. You're like walking in and you can already feel like the intimacy and the warmth between these people. You, and and some of that's helped by the fact that it's a sequel, but this movie does a lot more in for, in terms of developing that intimacy within this group of friends and it it is really lovely and then really heartbreaking. Yeah, like the first half of this I texted you when I started watching this and I was like, "Oh, this is funnier than the first one." The first half of this movie is super fun. At one point the main men are all in like sparkly suits dancing to new edition. It's like yes, like, fantastic. Joyful. It's so and it's funny. It's and then, and then it switches and you're like, oh, you got me. Yeah. And now yeah. I can't stop watching, but also I want to die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I said, I wrote down, I can't believe in the Christmas of 2020 you're making us watch a movie about a woman dying. I know. I also I I know. think I had thought that at the beginning she was going to be dead. Like, I think the way I interpreted what you told me was like he was bringing them all together because he was grieving. Not that we had to like fully watch her die. <laughs> so, yeah, it's so and like heavy. be introduced to their children, and like they have these like ridiculously like oh, polite children. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the children in this run the gamut of precocious, useless, like Regina Hall and uh, Michael's children, <laughs> Harold Perrineau. Harold Perrineau. <laughs> Gina and Harold Perrineau's children are like, you never see them. And then Shelby's kid is just this like, Shelby's kid. So Shelby, in my favorite twist of this movie, is a real housewife. She is the center housewife of the Real Housewives of Westchester uh, franchise. Right. In, in a mixed race Real Housewives cast Head of in, its time. What's, in 2013, which we didn't actually get until 2020. We just got yikes, our yikes, first yikes, mixed yikes, race, yikes. race Housewives cast. And it's just Mary in Salt Lake City. Like... Oh, I guess we put Garcelle in Beverly Hills. Oh, that's true. Barely. And certainly, although Still. Garcelle deserves the center diamond, n- no one in a mixed race housewife's cast has the center diamond. No woman of color in a mixed race housewife's cast has the center diamond. Right. So, yes. Um, ahead of its time. Trying so to, ahead of its trying time. Trying to n- nudge Andy Cohen in the right direction. And seven years later, he was like, maybe a little. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but... She had a kind of a, and I I will explain this since I hate Kelly Dodd and I refuse to watch OC currently, but she had kind of a Kelly Doddness and that she's ridiculous, but her daughter seem, is like very smart and with it. And you want to be like, get this child off Real Housewives. They're going to, they're get, save this child. And so I liked, I liked the Real Housewives aspect. I will say she, spoiler alert, eventually after screwing them over, helps, um, Harold Perrineau and Regina Hall's like the school they run that they got in trouble because they found this video of Regina Hall theoretically giving a blowjob for money and we obviously shame her because sex work is certainly something that we should be shaming this is my sarcasm tone um but anyway so she like eventually gives him the money uh because they lost donors and I was like, this is a lovely way to fix their relationship and redeem her character. And no housewife has that much money. No, they're all in the crapper. <laughs> like, yes. All of their money is not tangible. Right. But I like that Shelby turns out to be an okay person. Yeah. This movie, um, just going back to what you said about the beginning, the movie is very funny. There's lots of p- moments where I laughed out loud. 
Terrence Howard in particular is hilarious. The man has nearly flawless so comedic timing. It's really annoying. <laughs> it's really annoying since he's le problematique. Le problematique. But I mean, he's, his character he's in this is le problematique. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he sort of leads the um, sex worker shame charge a little bit. I I think that he's another character where, like, in the first one, he was just kind of there. He was doing a lot of the heavy lifting to bring the comedy. And in this one, we get more development of him. We get more humanization. He is not just the comedy, which I liked. Well, and he's also I'm setting aside the fact that he's a very problematic person. We maybe shouldn't let work anymore. But... He's also an incredibly talented actor, and incredibly talented actors are generally very good, also very good comedic actors, and you get to see both of, like, mm-hmm. that scene with him and me. Like, I try so hard in this movie to dislike him because his character's a little bit dislikable, but also, you know, him. But that scene with him and Mia is so well acted by both of them. Mm-hmm. It's really, I mean, it's a testament to his, and I think it's why he's still acting despite his problematicness is because in a way that like we couldn't really watch what women want and disconnect the, from the fact that it was Mel Gibson, which PS the holiday was not our first. We were corrected. The holiday was not our first Nancy Myers movie. We watched what women want. Um, I digress. And the way we watched that and like, couldn't really forget that it was Mel Gibson. I could watch this and like disconnect from the fact that, Mm-hmm. It was him because he's so talented, and I don't know that Mel Gibson is talented enough to do that to us. Um, but yeah, I I was gonna say something else about maybe that was what I was gonna say about him. Anyway, I his oh I was gonna say in terms of leading the sex work, he does sort of lead the sex work shamingness of it all. But I'm not sure this movie's point of view on the sex work is much better. Because rather than Harold Perrineau being like, yes, I married a stripper, it's conceivable that in a time in her life when she needed money, she also performed other sex acts in order to make ends meet. Also, separate from that, like, we can also maybe show sex work in a way that isn't just, like, women in a bad place trying to make ends meet. Like, some women do it because it's a job they enjoy. Um, And this movie... Or a job. It's a job. You know? It's a job. This movie doesn't really have it's something she's ashamed of. It's something she has to apologize to her husband for. And his sort of like their relationship is nice and he like but it's the way everyone treats her, from Shelby and uh Q, who are really terrible about it, even to her husband is a little like I don't love this. Also we keep making fun of him for having married a stripper. It's like Yeah. That's fine. I don't know. It the that was the that was the part of the movie that doesn't soups hold up. Yeah. I go back and forth. Like I think you're absolutely right. I do think, you know, the movie like never calls into question her ability to parent or her ability to do her current job. I think that Which is like we working never for a nonprofit see... for a school. Right. Um, we never see her ally who is 
the Sonalathan character. Like, we never see her turn on her in any way once this revelation comes out. Um, so I think the movie is kind of trying to walk that line. Um, you know, could there have been less shame, not only from the characters who are antagonistic to her, but maybe from herself? But then on some level, like, that's just realistic. Like, if that was something you did and you aren't proud of it and you tried to hide it, then there's going to be some shame around that, whether that is justified or not. You know, that's something, you know, maybe she just hasn't worked through. So I didn't have a lot of problem with the way it was dealt like by the film itself. Um, But I I think the thing I struggled with most in that storyline was the way that the Harold Perrineau character acts about it. Um, I think in the first film, like, he's not set up to be – I don't know. He's set up to be, like, a very good guy, and he is. He continues to be. But, like, the fact that he's sharing this video with his friends and not going and directly to his doesn't wife. doesn't tell his and wife I about it. Like, it's online, right. and people are watching it, and no one's telling her that it exists. It's like, you guys. Like, this is not right. good. And he's like – Tell her and let her decide how to handle it. Right. He's telling like every single one of his guy friends. And granted, like then we're setting up a big climactic like blowout between her and him and her and Shelby, which was a good payoff. It was a great scene. Um, Yeah, I beat the shit out of Shelby too. (laughs) But it just was like. Oh, like we're you know we've been told all along that like you're this wonderful man and this great husband and you're doing all this great work and it's like this was a really bad choice this is a movie yeah and it's like among other things like this is a movie about men who just need to fucking talk to their wives about what's going on in their lives and each other like like t Diggs hasn't told his wife that he got fired from or laid off from nyu or that his book's not going well like well, what is with these husbands who wants- don't talk to their wives And so the reason he wants to go on this trip is because his uh, agent or editor uh, has been like, if you can get the biography of Lance, like he's this great, like he's this great football player. He's about to retire. Like he's scandal free. Like this would be a really lovely biography and you'd make a lot of money. And so instead of just like reaching out to like, yes, maybe a friend he's sort of fallen out with and being and like explaining his situation and being like, dude, can you help me? He's like, no, I'm going to be sneaky about it. It's like the entire premise of this movie could be solved with one hard conversation. (laughs) And like the Harold Perinusha is like we sell his character out a little bit so that we can have that storyline. And I just wish because you're right, like the payoff is good. And I really like Regina Hall's character's uh, like how she deals with like I think her, the way she deals with what has happened to her is very relatable and very and very within character she's pissed she takes her kids she leaves like she leaves she's a yep. really good character she does she punches Shelby first like, which yep we'd all do it and it's really believable and, with, and within her character but in order to get there we had to sell out Harold Perrineau's character a little bit which like yeah isn't on track with this sort of like lovely man that he's supposed to be and then I completely right. buy him as for most of the movie except this like weird thing that we're just ignoring the fact that he found this video of his wife and instead of being like honey this is out there you and I need to talk about it and you have to decide how you want to deal with it he tells all of his friends and Eddie Seabrand 
Right. Like we tell the new boyfriend to the group before we tell our wife. Like, mm-hmm. come on. Ugh. Come on. Come on. Poor choice. I will say I said that about Regina Hall. And that's it. Regina Hall is very good throughout this entire movie, which I loved since she's not. She has a very small part in the first one. And the scene at the end where they're. This movie has a lot of fun um, sort of like classic rom-com tropes we get like men in sparkly suits dancing we get um uh we get like a call from mia on the football field and he's his game is suddenly turned around and he wins <laughs> like very sort of fantastical rom-com christmas fun that i'm not at all mad about and my favorite one is we birth a baby in a car a breached a baby breach baby birthed in a car by a football player and I was like this makes no sense I'm in but my favorite part of that scene is Regina Hall driving and every now and then they'll like say something scary and they'll cut to her and she just has like a facial reaction and it's so unbelievably funny it is I don't know how Regina Hall is not lauded as one of the greatest comedic actresses we have working because she's so fucking funny and doesn't say anything in that scene she's just driving the car but they keep cutting to her as they're as they're like talking about as he's like i have to touch your wife's cervix i at like and he's like feeling her dilation which also (laughs) this football player is like "Mm, i am now a trained OBGYN. let's do this right let's do it i'm in i believe it lance can do anything yeah, Regina Hall it puts I mean, she she gives a great comedic performance, she gives a great dramatic performance. She is fantastic in this movie. Um and I think like a lot of them are. Like there are a lot of really lovely performances. I think um Monica Calhoun who plays Mia, she is wonderful in this. I mean, she play she's playing a very specific character, although in this again, like we get more agency. We get more development of her character in this. And I, there's one scene, I don't even remember what it was, but like, I just thought like, she is perfect casting. She is wonderful in this movie. Yeah. Um, and I think you're right. There's lots of things that like, you're just like, well, that doesn't quite make sense, but it doesn't matter because the writing is so go- good. The chemistry between all these people is so good. And the, characters the performances are, so are. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you can make up for plot holes or sort of like semi unbelievable. It's also a movie. So the thing where like she calls him and suddenly he can play football. I'm like, realistic? No. Do I want this to end this way? Yeah. Do it. I want to be uplifted. He wins the football yeah. game right before she dies. Like, that's what we want. Um, right. But you can make up for all these sort of little like goofy things. You get a lot in rom-coms if your characters are really strong and it's funny and I think the rom-coms we don't like have those thing have like plot holes or sort of unbelievable moments without having strong, funny characters. And this movie, like you still have those things, but you're like, but I love these people and I want them to win. So yes, one phone call from your dying wife and you win a football game. I believe it. Like, right. let, and then, then we run home just so we can be with her while she dies. Let's do it. I'm in. This is my favorite. Right. Um, Monica Calhoun acting moment is when she's laying in bed with her children and her best friend, Nia Long. And she says, like, do you remember this? She's, like, describing a girl they went to college with. Oh, God, Nia yeah. Long's like, yeah, I remember her. I hated her. <laughs> Nia's like, yeah, me too. Lance can remarry, but not her. And I, like, it's such a, it's such, like, a, I love 
this movie is horribly sad and there's a lot of there's like moments of melodrama but i also really like when death is depicted realistically and that like you have these weird conversations about silly funny things like i can believe that you a a number one you're never allowed to die so just that that's not what this conversation is but like you'd say something like that to me if we were in this situation there'd be some woman that jeff's not oh yeah to remarry. like and and it just it was ve- it's very sad but neil long also like laughs because it's funny and it there's just like such a realistic depiction it's like when uh, and how Stella got a groove back in like the Whoopi Goldberg dying scene. I feel like mm-hmm. they have a similar like singing a song and having fun. There's there's lightness and humor in death. Like, yeah, in our worst moments of people dying. Like I remember funny thing. Like you remember like times of just like laughing uncontrollably because your emotions are so heightened. But it's also like you death is not. And grief is not like overwhelming sadness all the time. And right. this movie does a very good job of depicting the ebbs and flows of grief in that scene. Both like both those women act it so well. I like Mia Long in this like does such a good job of like woman who has to keep it together but whose best friend is dying. And yeah. I just it's just a really well acted and well written movie. Yeah, the, I really love the Nia Long character because she could so easily be a trope and a caricature. I mean, this is the first movie yeah. is a rom-com. This is not really a rom-com. We're sort of like stretching it here. But she very much falls into that like rom-com trope of like work obsessed, cold woman who needs. They call her career um, obsessed. I wrote it down career obsessed right like you know commitment phobe not open to love um who needs like a man to sort of like warm her cold dead soul um but again as a testament to the writing and a testament to Nia Long's performance it feels far more realistic than tropey um and one of the things I've always liked about this movie is there's a so she's dating Eddie Sebrian and we get the sense that it's fairly serious and they love each other, but she has some commitment issues. And so they haven't kind of like he's kind of pushing it along more than she is. And he comes for a couple of nights to this holiday weekend and then he has to go like meet his family for Christmas or whatever. And so he's leaving and she and he I forget why exactly, but like there's a little tiff between them. And he says, like, you act like you don't need me. And she says, I don't. I loved it. And and then in the end, when they reconcile, I was waiting. The first time I saw this movie, I was like, they're going to make her say that she does need him and I'm going to be pissed. Yeah. But she doesn't. She never says to him, I need you. She says, she I want you and I love yeah. you. Um. But they never have her concede. She never, like, we've never broken down her exterior. We've never made her less committed to her job or her career or less good at her job or her career. Um, And so I've always really liked that about this movie. Yes, there's no, there's never a discussion where she's like, I'll start working. She's like running MSNBC is the implication, which again, ahead of its time, I think we maybe just hired the first black woman to run NBC News or MSNBC. Um, But love that in 2013 we were living in this world. 
and but there's never any question of like maybe she'll uh, maybe she'll slow down at work. It's like no, she's gonna she has she's like kick ass. She has an amazing job. She's gonna keep working, and Eddie Seabrian's gonna love her for it, and it's gonna be lovely. And yeah, right. I when she's when he said, "I feel like you don't need me," and she said, "I don't," I like cheered. I was like, "I love this. I love this movie." I almost right. wish we hadn't even made her say, "I'm sorry for it." But you're right. There was never any moment where she said, "I do need you," and there's never really implication that she does. She wants to be with him, but nobody needs a romantic partner, and she knows that it's a right. choice she's now making because she's ready for that. It's not it the like her love story in this movie is between her and Mia like the person she right. needs is her best friend who's dying and that's and you like watch her deal with that in her own way they also have everyone sort of deal with the grief in their own specific character way and hers is private and and when she's with Mia and with the kids she's very supportive and very there's a scene where she's I think it's when she the Mia collapses in front of the Christmas tree where she's like holding her head in a really loving way and you never see her deal with her own grief except privately or with Tay Diggs. Right. And I just think the characters are so well written that like everything they do is very specific to them. Yeah. Honestly, the character that I struggle to connect with the most in this is Harper. He's the Tay Diggs character. Very handsome. It looks very good in a newsboy cap. And a peacoat. That scene in the beginning when he's got that peacoat on. Mm. There's one part where he's fantastic. He's like walking through New York City in a peacoat and a newsboy hat. And when I was like, where are your masks? Which I understand (laughs) that it was made in 2013. But I also, I was like, A, Tay Diggs is very handsome. And B, I'm so sad I can't like walk through a city in a peacoat without. I know. Like, I just like missed a city. I feel like I saw a tweet at the beginning of this that I will find because I think it was from a friend of mine uh, who said, like, I miss New York City and I'm in New York City. And that's how I feel about Chicago right now. Like, I miss the city and I'm in it. But it's not this, like, pandemic has not made it the same. And so any movie where people are, like, bustling through a city without a coronavirus care in the world, like, makes me so sad. Yeah. Anyway, you can't connect with Tay Diggs. Yeah. I just, I mean, granted, like a lot of the choices that he make are makes are important to the plot and setting up the drama. But like for the second movie in a row, he's made the conscious decision to like exploit his friendship with his best friend for like a capital gain. Like he's like, again, like you said, like just have a conversation with him. It's Ask like, him about writing his bio. Like, why are you sneaking around? Right, and then say, in the scene where it comes out and Lance gets mad at him, I'm like, right yeah. Oh so, yeah. Like I'd be pissed too. All of like, Lance's like anger. I, they do a very good job of not making Lance like archetypal, angry black man. Like he's a very nuanced character. And there are a couple scenes where he gets very angry and you're all like, yeah i'd be angry like <laughs> his anger is so just in the first one and the, it's either he finds out that his soon-to-be wife once slept with his best friend yeah you'd be pissed about that or that that same best friend is now like exploiting him for a book it's like i, I all, for the all second time anger is to ju- be fair he like wrote, rewrote all, the first book in the first movie about his friends all of this anger is justified and lance go beat him beat him up just give him a swift clock. Yeah. It's 
And it's just, it's Tay Tay. And again, like we wouldn't, I get it. We wouldn't have a movie if Tay Diggs at the beginning had been like, dude, I know that we haven't been as close in a while, but my wife and I have had some fertility problems. We've, we've had to pay a lot of money for it. And my books aren't doing that great. I need help. Here's a way I think I could make money. Would you be willing to help me? Lance will say, yeah. I think at one point, Sonali, then he's even says like, he'll say yes or he'll say no, but it, it'll be fine either way. Like just have this conversation right. with him. And Tay Diggs is like, mm, good point, my dear wife. But I think instead what I'll do is lie. It's just, just always listen to Sonal Lathan. Right. Or Terrence uh, Howard, because Terrence Howard keeps asking him, like, are you having money troubles? Like, let me help you. Like, just tell me if you're having money troubles. Like, I'm happy to help. And he's just, and granted, like, I understand the, the pride. Proud, that, yeah. Yeah, that piece doesn't bother me, but it just is, again, like, some simple conversations, guys. Some yeah, just talk to each other. I feel like the women, and maybe this is, like, at one point, Neil Long and Sonal Lathan are like, what if instead of fighting over this man who only one of us loves, we just, like, put that aside and become friends? And at the end of the movie, they do that, and you're like, yeah, why can't everyone have easy conversations like that? Right. I, well, that's the difference between men. We don't socialize our men to be open with their emotions. Although I do feel like we get some good male intimacy in this I was going to say, I think that's um, a problem they're talking, like, like we're touching on in the movie, but it's not that the movie has a prop. Like, this is where POV, I think the movie is very good on. Like, the movie is talking about male intimacy and showing male emotions in a in a really lovely way. Like, right. we're seeing Lance deal with the death of his wife in a lot of different ways and it's a there's a lot of crying there's also anger he gets like very mad at the football game i had the thought where i was like if this happened in real life on a football game there'd be so many articles and think pieces about like how angry he was he like pushes the camera he's like doing bad in the football game and he pushes the cameras and it's like get the cameras out of my face you'd have so many pieces about like how his anger was out of control or whatever 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 and then like without the knowledge that like oh his wife was dying and it was one of those moments where i was like oh we never we don't get the full story from the media because then like three (laughs) days later you'd be like oh his wife died like no wonder he was pissed as fuck at that game right but they show Uh, if he were a white football player it would have been all about how his anger was justified because his wife was dying yes it yes um but I think they show, like, the range of emotions you have when you're, like, deep in grief. And he's also, like, in mm-hmm. a little bit of denial very right. well and very, very, it's very justified. It's very understandable. They do it, too, with, um, like, the all the male friendships are very intimate. There's they, There's no sort of, like... We were watching some Friends episode the other day where, like, Chandler starts to cry and they all make fun of him and you and I groaned. In this movie, like, men are crying all the time and no one's making fun of him. It's, like, really, we're allowing men to cry and we're allowing them to be emotional without there being a level of judgment on that in a really lovely way. Oh, I have a big issue with this movie. At one point, Tay Diggs and the oldest daughter of Lance and Mia were... Uh, roasting marshmallows and he pulled the marshmallow out of a fire and put it onto a graham cracker and it was not cooked one bit not even like a little browned it was a fully raw marshmallow and that bothered me oh there was an interesting scene it was like very like it was very fleeting so early on Tadig says to Sanaa Lathan who's very pregnant at this point he says does Mia look thin 
And she says, are you asking your very pregnant wife whether a woman you once slept with is looking skinny? And she's right. Like, rightfully, I understand that frustration. But fat phobia is a hell of a drug because he's literally like asking in like a concerned way. Like, I wonder about her health, which come to find out later she has cancer and the response and anyone's response would be like, stop talking about whether that other woman that you once slept with is thin. And I just think like fat phobia is a hell of a drug, man. Fat phobia is a hell of a drug. Uh, Yeah. And this movie, like there's not a, there's just like, she's uncomfortable and pregnant, which I get, but there's also the, like she, she says at one point, like, I feel like a whale, like, which I think are all things that pregnant women feel. Yeah. But also like, if we could let go of the, why do I look and feel so fat and just focus on the like, I'm uncomfortable because I'm growing a human being. Right. That we might be a little bit better off. I did. I had to write down it through tears because I was in the football game. I was weeping and something happened at the end. I don't know. I don't like football, but I do love football TV and movies. Like I don't, Mm -hmm. I do not want to watch a football game. I will watch every season of Friday Night Lights on repeat. Like, I will watch Remember the Titans, despite its white saviorism, because I love football heroism. And I was weeping and said out loud to nobody, football is such a stupid sport, as I'm, like, (laughs) nodding. (laughs) Because he wins, and he gets, like, the most all-time rushing yards. I don't understand how football works, but he did it. And all his children cheer, and one of their mothers is there. Ugh. <laughs> uh. Neil Long wears white to the funeral. It's gorgeous. Yeah, great choice. Great it's choice. A, and it is like it's like a like we're laughing because it's a beautiful like dress she's wearing. But it is an interesting choice. Everyone else is in black. We're mourning the death of this woman who died far too young and left behind her husband and young children and her best friend wears white. I just think it's like a very subtle, good directorial choice of how Nia Long is processing Mm -hmm. and how she's celebrating her best friend. And also she looks great in that dress. Yeah. I mean, I'm mad at you for making me watch this, but only because it was so good. Yeah. I I actually really like this movie. Oh, at the end we get like a little scene we get kind of like a 10 months later epilogue where we see that Lance and T. Diggs are have reconciled. T. Diggs has written the book like all is well. And they get a call from Terrence fine. Howard. The baby's fine. We get a call from Terrence Howard that he is getting married. And that was setting up a third movie that was supposed to happen that never happened because things kind of fell apart. And there's a lot of schedules here to coordinate. But I a lot of very famous people in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I read something yesterday because I Googled to see, like, is it really dead or like what's going to happen there? And evidently, like at the beginning of the pandemic, Tay Diggs did an interview where he said that there's talk of making it a limited series on like a streaming platform. Oh, fun. I'd watch the show out of that. Yeah. Same. Fingers crossed that that actually happens. Yeah. So Sanaa Lathan is the one who gives birth in the car in a scene completely stolen by the ridiculousness that a football player would uh, deliver a breech baby, but and also Regina Hall's acting driving the car. 
Um, but then we, of course, name it's a girl, so we obviously name her Mia. I started weeping again. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yes, 10 months later, like, uh, Morris Chestnut, Lance, has come down from uh, his giant New Jersey home and is, like, with Che Diggs in his brownstone playing with a cute little baby. And everything's fine. Everything's going to be yeah. fine, guys. Everything's good. And hopefully we'll get a, we'll get a, another sequel. Hopefully we'll get another sequel. I did say like Mia would have been a great real housewife. Like a maybe like I think what we're I think maybe what I believe about the character is that like she's not about that shit. So she probably would have been offered a lot and said no. But a football player's wife at who's a, he's like a very loved and scandal free football player like Andy Cohen would have done anything in the world to get that as yeah. a she would she would have led the franchise. Yeah. That's the beautiful thing about that franchise. You have your Shelbys, you have your Mias. Yeah, it holds up. I'm adding it to my Christmas movie repertoire every year. Hopefully next year will have been less tragic in and of itself, so the movie won't be as hard to watch. (laughs) What are we watching next week? Well, in keeping with our... Carrie and I realized that we've accidentally done um, sort of a word association thing in our last few movies. So last week we watched The Holiday... This week, we watched The Best Man Holiday. Next week, we're watching My Best Friend's Wedding. Stay tuned for whatever uh, wedding movie we watch after My Best Friend's Wedding. (laughs) Uh, But it's our two-year. We've been doing this almost two years, so... Which is crazy. We're actually going to watch a movie that we already did for this podcast, Left Up for Two Days. The sound was so bad, we took it down. If you listen to that episode, this one will probably be different. I don't remember what we said two years ago. I mean, it's one of my all-time favorites, and it takes place in Chicago, and they're White Sox fans. So I'm yeah. not going to be, like, upset about it. Um, we're also right. kind of in a Cameron Diaz barrel I'm not mad about. Um, because last week we watched a movie where we agreed Cameron Diaz acted not great, so we're going to watch a movie where Cameron Diaz acts excellently. Um, also join us next week for our final installment of our mini-sode, where we'll discuss the last two episodes and the unwrapped holiday special of HBO's 12 Dates of Christmas. You can find us on Instagram at hold underscore up underscore pod. And and you can find us on Twitter at hold underscore up underscore podcast. Um, So you can find us there. You can tell us what you thought of Best Man Holiday. You can get mad at Carrie for making you watch just that movie in this holiday time. Um, And you can tell us other movies you want to see. And we'll put them on our list. Bye. Bye.